This is the Human-Centric Investing Podcast with John Deal, where we look at the world of investing through the eyes of our clients. Over to you, John. Hello, financial advisors. Welcome to another episode of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Joining me for today's podcast is Bill McManus. Bill McManus is a managing director at Hartford Funds and works on our Applied Insights team. The Applied Insights team is responsible for educating financial advisors and their clients about new and emerging trends in the financial services marketplace. Bill, welcome to our podcast today. John, thank you. Glad to be here. So, Bill, today's podcast is going to be about virtual prospecting. And I know that's an area that you've been working on for a while now, certainly maybe more in earnest since the pandemic started. I know even maybe a year or two prior to the pandemic, uh, you were kind of our team's expert on virtual prospecting, if you will. So I'm looking forward to today's episode to learn what some of the things are that, that you've been working on with advisors and, and so that you can share some of those best practices with us. So I really appreciate you coming on today. So, Bill, tell me a little bit about, I mean, virtual prospecting sounds, you know, kind of simple to understand. But I think if there's one area that I've heard advisors struggle with, post-pandemic, it's this area of virtual prospecting, right? It seems like the the video tools that we have, the Zooms and the WebExes and all that, seem to be a pretty good substitute for in-person meetings if we already have a relationship with a client. Have you been seeing difficulty with this virtual prospecting as well? Yeah, absolutely, John. You're you're right. Um, you know, in response to you know the circumstances brought on by COVID nineteen, I think financial professionals have gotten really, really good at using the tools and the technology that we have to engage with their existing client base, uh, to inform them, to host you know webinars and the like. But the one area that does seem to be um, let's just say lacking a little bit is around prospecting, and I, I think the reason is that it's just so different from the traditional way that we, you know, we meet people, we shake hands, we interact in the office, you have a chance to really build that personal relationship. And it's just been a little bit stressed and strained, I think, uh, in this Mm -hmm. new environment that we're in. However, you know, we think there's tremendous opportunity out there, right? As as you know, anytime there's, you know, uncertainty or just challenging times, whether in the market or or, or whatever it may be, uh, there's plenty of opportunity for financial professionals to be engaging uh, with new prospects to turn them into clients. And, you know, as we know, there's people out there that need the help and the advice and the guidance that a financial professional can give to them. So, Bill, you know, I kind of think of myself as a contrarian thinker. And in talking to you, I know you've worked with some advisors and you yourself have experienced situations where it kind of leads you to say that now is actually a great time to be prospecting, even virtually. Why do you say that? Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think it does come from hate to be cliche that, you know, any time of crisis creates opportunity, but, you know, it certainly does, you know, people, uh, especially as there were, you know, as we were, you know, enduring some of the, the steeper sell-offs, you know, earlier in March, you know, really revisiting their portfolios. Cause as you know, John, for the past 10 plus years before the pandemic hit, really people would open their statements and see nothing but it going up. So not really the, an impetus to reevaluate, you know, their financial plan and what it looks like. Well, the, the pandemic uh, certainly created that need for people to, to really revisit their plan. And I think it does create opportunities for the financial professionals that are out in front and actively uh, looking for new clients uh, really is a great opportunity now. So, Bill, what challenges do financial professionals face? I mean, aside from it's kind of a new way of doing business, 
What are some of those challenges that you hear about most often? I think one of the biggest challenges is identifying what are the tools and techniques that I have at my disposal that I want to use to find new introductions, and then what types of systems and processes do I have to put in place? So, you know, for example, take something like LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, is fantastic because it's you know, the world's largest professional network. LinkedIn is also terrible because it's the world's largest, you know, professional social network out there. So a lot of times if we don't have a plan or a system in place, financial professionals can spend a lot of time searching and scrolling without really identifying people that they can ultimately be introduced to and take that prospect and turn them into a client. And Bill, do you feel like, do you feel like certain professionals, financial professionals have a preference for one platform versus another? Do you think there's a preferred platform or is it really more individual by the financial professional in terms of preference? I really think it has to do with who are they trying to reach out to. So, for instance, if they're looking to build out their centers of influence, I'd say LinkedIn is probably the best tool to use there. Because as we know, business owners, other professionals use LinkedIn and have that. Now, if they're trying to get more understanding of their clients and what's going on in their personal lives, you know, most cases, if they have a retired client, they might not have an active LinkedIn profile, but they certainly are using things like Facebook as well. So I really think it depends on who, what the strategy is for who we're trying to be introduced to. That'll, you know, lead us to which tool to be using to do that. So Bill, would you say that many of the financial professionals you work with have to first determine their target? in terms of are they dealing with centers of influences or are they targeting kind of end client referrals and end client prospects themselves? And if so, how do financial professionals move through this process of kind of thinking about that audience and what tool is appropriate? Yeah. And I, I really think there's two categories that, that financial professionals want to focus on. One is the centers of influence because we know that we can create some reciprocity, right? If we're able to engage with, with those folks. And then the other one is, you know, what I would call the advocate search, right? We have clients that love working with the financial professionals. They know them, they're, they're willing to make introductions for them. The key is we need to make it as easy as possible for those folks, especially in this environment where we don't maybe have the opportunity to do social engagements, whether it's through, you know, educational seminars where they can bring a friend. So we really have to get specific for who we want to be introduced to for those clients. And we can certainly use social media and the like to help in that aim. So what tools and technologies, Bill, do you think that financial professionals ought to be adopting? Are there any leaders in the clubhouse, if you will? I think the first thing that financial professionals need to recognize is in a lot of these instances, uh, when they're being introduced to somebody, uh, it's really their digital face that they're going to be introduced to first. So I think one of the key steps, depending on the technology, is for advisors to revisit, say, their LinkedIn page or if they have a business Facebook page, get some second opinions, make sure we're putting, you know, again, our best digital face forward, because that is going to be the initial introduction that a potential client is going to have. So I think now is a great time to be doing that. And then, again, depending on who we're looking to target. That's where we really want to focus in on that technology, whether it is Google business or Yelp to find the centers of influence, or like I mentioned before, other social networks like Facebook going a little bit deeper with our clients. So Bill, do you think like, it would seem to me that as you're attempting to kind of do this virtual prospecting, maybe there are a couple of steps that have to occur before you even get there, right? Are you finding that many financial professionals are really taking this time to take a step back and look at their practice and really think about what differentiates them, what makes them unique, 
almost like before they get into the world of their digital presence or even virtual prospecting, it seemed to me like you and your team should probably really be on the same page before you jump into the tools to make that happen. Do you see many financial professionals kind of working through that process? Yeah, I agree with you. And and yes, uh, we're working with financial professionals to help really refine that. As I mentioned before, this access we have to technology opens up so many different doors, but we have to be a little bit more structured. So let's take centers of influence first uh, before we get into advocates. One Mm -hmm. thing that we found with centers of influence, financial professionals are going to have a natural network, right? Just by the virtue of the work that they provide. We've all networked with the CPAs and the estate planners and the trust attorneys. Well, what we are frankly challenging financial professionals to do is expand that network. Now there's two ways that we can do it. Uh, As you know, John, obviously with our relationship with the MIT Age Lab, we're encouraging people to think about service providers that can address issues around longevity. So CAP certified contractors, which is a certified aging in place specialist for when clients are trying to make that decision, you know, do they stay in their home or do they have to go? That's a good person to have in the network. Somebody who runs a memory care uh, unit at a continuing care retirement community, people that focus on senior housing or concierge healthcare and the like. So many opportunities to build out our network to address really these big ticket items that our clients are looking to solve. And then I would also just think about general conversations that financial professionals and their teams have been having with clients. What are some of the common issues, challenges, you know, conversations that they're having? Who are the type of people that they can connect them to in that way? And I'd be reaching out and searching for those types of folks and service providers on something like a LinkedIn or, as I mentioned before, Yelp. Uh, And I I think the key from this approach, it's always client first. We we don't necessarily want to call a service provider and say, you know, hi, I'm Bill McManus with, uh, you know, a financial professional. I want to tell you all the great things that I can provide for you. The conversation is more reaching out. I work with clients within our community, and I've noticed that they've been asking me more about the types of services you provide. I would love to connect with you to find out more about you and what you do. In my opinion, the likelihood that that person is going to respond to that question is going to be up significantly. Well, and I think, Bill, it's important just listening to what you said. I think there's also a way to listen. You mentioned kind of the thinking about the conversations you're having with clients. You might even start by reaching out to service providers that they're currently using. And sometimes I think financial professionals make the mistake of falling into when we talk about longevity and when we talk about these issues, like we have to think about home health care or caregiving or adult daycare or all these kind of things that we associate with age. But I think financial professionals also need to keep an open mind that their clients have a lot of varied interests. So Bill, I know near and dear to your heart is an interest in travel. So, you know, when we talk about thinking out of the box, I'd love to talk to who Bill McManus used to plan his latest trip, especially (laughs) if it were in an area that, you know, I was interested in visiting. Those kind of conversations become energetic. And then can you think about, reaching out on LinkedIn or one of the other social network platforms for people that specialize in that area that you could put together a team of people that maybe you might use as business referral opportunities. And I just think, imagine how that would differentiate you in terms of, you know, hey, my financial advisor suggested that, you know, I touch base with this person that some of his other clients have used to help plan out trips. Or I guess my main point is it doesn't always have to be something that is, kind of in a downward trend as we think medically or something like that, sometimes very opportunistic, right? And that's where 
sometimes we really got to think creatively about these conversations that we're having with clients, right? Well, absolutely, John. And, and as you know, from research that we've done with the Age Lab at MIT, and we think about what is it that clients value in the financial professionals that, that they work with, we know the deeper we can go from a relationship standpoint and the broader we can go with conversations that we have, uh, we just see that value line go up and up and up you know, as we, we continue to engage with clients for things outside of or other than you know, the quarterly performance of their, their portfolio. So, Bill, you mentioned centers of influence there that we were just talking about. How does it differ when you're looking at client advocates as a financial professional? Are there different platforms you'd, you'd approach there? And what kind of things might I be looking for or trying to communicate to reach people like that? Absolutely. And, and much like the COIs, we just we want to take a step back and have a plan and a process in place before we dive into the tools. And it's very much in line with what you were just talking about as well in terms of, you know, broadening out the conversation and, and knowing different things. So one fantastic exercise that we've been recommending financial professionals and their teams to go through is something we call the rule of eights. So we say there's four things. You should know these four things about all of your top relationships, and they all end in A-T-E. So number one, where do they congregate? Two, recreate. Three, educate. And four, donate. Right? Think about those things for a minute. Uh, where somebody congregates, is it a um, you know, civic organization in the community, a religious organization? Recreate, do they like travel or golf or fitness? What is it that they're kind of into? Educate, which is a really important one, not only from a um, you know, formal education, but is it something ongoing? And also we want to expand that to family, right? Knowing that uh, a grandchild is, you know, heading off to a certain university, right? This is really important information. And then lastly, donate not only your dollars, but your time. If we know those four things about people, we know what they're passionate about, you know, what they're passionate about, what it is that, that motivates them. So that's a great exercise for knowing our clients better. Uh, it's a great team exercise because different team members often have different conversations with clients based off of the relationship. So really important, and I think it's a fantastic thing to do, but then on the flip side, if we know the four eights, you know, not only do, do we know, you know what it is our clients are doing, but we can pretty easily find out who are they doing these things with. Now, John, I would never recommend uh, stalking uh, clients, but we can, <laughs> certainly, we can certainly research, right? And, and I'll give you an example, and I remember a financial professional shared this with me a couple years ago. Take the donate example. You know, she sat on the board of a local nonprofit in the community. So the advisor having that knowledge, couple of keystrokes, pulling up the website for the nonprofit, lists her client as a board member. And who else does it list? The four other board members, right, that the client's getting with on a, on a quarterly basis. So having that knowledge and then using the technology that we have at our disposal, able to source uh, new introductions that now she can go to that client and ask how they can, you know, uh, come together from an introduction standpoint. You know, Bill, it's interesting. I was just talking to a group of very successful advisors within the last month. And when you talked about those four eights, I thought about recreate, right? And, you know, various social platforms have different things about our clients. Maybe they feature, you know, activities that they participate in, or even sometimes they'll feature things like their pets. And this group of financial advisors, one of the advisors said one of the successful ways they found in reaching out to their clients for some face-to-face -face time is they offer to meet them at a local park. If the client is local, <laughs> they both have dogs and they go for a dog walk. It's almost <laughs> like not as time intensive as sharing around a golf, but you know, for an hour you get to walk and learn and talk and, and have real human interaction in this age of social distancing. So I think 
you know, as long as, the, using... as long as the pups get along with each other, right? right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happens then, but that, no, that's a really good point. Or you mentioned to educate, you know, with, with all the schools right now calling students back to campus, it kind of be interesting to have a conversation, even link people up from a similar school or university to talk about what's going on with that school or university in light of everything that's going on. So I think anything that we can do to draw ourselves into that conversation because it really does help us get to know those clients a little bit better. So absolutely. Oh, so you just reminded me of a story that our number of financial professionals shared with me, take the educate one through uh, using tools like Facebook, you know, seeing posts that a client posted of a a grandchild that graduated and then through Mm -hmm. LinkedIn actually offered to connect that, you know, client's grandchild to people in their network in the field that that particular grandkid was looking to start a job in. So there's so many different ways that we can, again, use, thank goodness, the, the tools and technology that we have to really um, create deeper, um, I think more intimate interactions with our clients, but then ultimately build out our network through introductions and these, these centers of influence. So Bill is a financial professional that may not be uh, as up to speed on all these tools and platforms and ideas as maybe others are, what do you suggest as next steps that that I should be taking? Yeah, I would I would you know sit down and sort of evaluate right our our digital presence, sort of where we want to focus because it's it's a lot right. And and, and mm-hmm. again, if we don't have a system or a plan, we can spend a lot of time you know spinning our wheels so to speak. So I think really focusing in on one area. Maybe it is okay. I wanted to work with the rule of eights with my top. 25 relationships and, and make sure that we know these things and start, you know, sourcing introductions and starting small, right? I want to get, find three introductions or two, whatever the number may be and have it be, you know, a measurable, uh, you know, achievable goal, or I really want to work on, on, you know, centers of influence. I think picking one of those areas and, and focusing in on it for, for uh, a little bit of time is, is really important. Um, another next step, and this is kind of the, the first simple one, I would make sure I would think about my top relationships and make sure that I am connected with them on these social platforms, whether it is LinkedIn or uh, Facebook, that would probably be, be step number one, but it really is about refining a process. And then I think the other thing, uh, John, is, is understanding that this is not a response to the situation circumstances brought on by COVID-19. This is the new way of doing business, I think, going forward. So it's something that we really do need to adopt and refine. And Bill, I think that's important too. I mean, the crisis actually gives us an opportunity almost to inventory the ways that our clients want to be communicated with. So uh, perhaps using this transition as a time to reach out to clients to say, hey, I know we've had a great face-to-face relationship. We certainly have touched base over WebEx or whatever, but are there other communication platforms that you use? Are you active on Facebook? Do you use LinkedIn? Because we either currently do or are exploring how we might use those platforms to better communicate with our clients. The worst the client can say is, no, I don't, or no, but I don't really do business or anything like that. But I think most clients, at least that I've spoken to, have been pretty willing to say, well, yeah, I, I use Facebook. In fact, I already follow you as a financial professional, right? It's just, right. it goes both ways, right? Right. And, and you know, as, as we've seen from the, the research that we've seen from, from MIT, just the awareness and adoption of people across all different age cohorts that are engaging in, you know, social media and all of this new technology, it's, it's just going through the roof, right? And it's only been accelerated, brought yeah. on, you know, by COVID-19. So I, I do think it's, 
important for financial professionals to engage clients, as you said, around what type of communication avenues they like and, and how they you know, engage socially uh, in this, this sort of new world that we're operating in. You know, one, one thought on that, Bill, is in our work with Dr. Coughlin up at MIT, at the MIT Age Lab, he has shared with us that when we are referred as a financial professional, it's not like that client hears a word from a friend of theirs and just says, oh, my friend said call Bill McManus because he's a great guy. No, the first thing they're going to do is investigate you online. Yes. So if nothing more than for a defensive purpose, right, making sure that your Facebook page or your LinkedIn profile or your website accurately reflect the things that you want them to reflect and that you're consistent or have some degree of consistency across those platforms is important because potential clients may be researching you without your even knowing it. Would you agree with that point? I mean, 100 percent. Um, when was the last time that you you know went to a restaurant that you didn't you know get on and start reading the Yelp reviews for? bought something mm-hmm. from Amazon that you didn't, you know, scroll down and see what other people were saying about a product. It's, it's just how we make decisions. We have the capabilities to research and we use it collectively. So certainly would apply to how people are, are seeking financial professionals. Or again, if they're going to be introduced, that's the first place they're going to go hundred percent. So Bill, as our time draws to a close here, any last points you'd like to share with the financial professionals out there on this topic of virtual prospecting? I would just say two things, you know, number one, embrace it, right? Because it's certainly, you know, how we're going to continue to operate on a go forward basis. And then number two, I think we can have fun with it, right? There's a lot of ways to be creative, you know, as we mentioned, and I think it's it's exciting to be able to, you know, engage with new people, whether it is uh, centers of influence or, or introductions from our existing client base and continue to move uh, our businesses forward and help out people that we know that, you know, all the, the great financial professionals listening uh, with us today can ultimately help. Bill McManus, Managing Director with the Applied Insights team here at Hartford Funds. Bill, I wanted to take a moment to say thanks for joining us today on the podcast and for sharing some of your insights on virtual prospecting. Thanks for having me, John. Really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. And for all of you listening, we look forward to sharing time again with you on the next episode of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Thanks very much. This podcast is intended for use by financial professionals or in conjunction with the advice of a financial professional. It is intended to be educational in nature and should not be construed as individual investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold any security or to adopt any investment strategy. It does not constitute legal or tax advice or fiduciary advice pursuant to ERISA rules. Check with your firm's compliance department regarding guidelines for social media use. The MITH Lab is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Hartford Funds.